Welcome to the Way Ministries Bible Study with Pastor John. Tonight's study will be in the book of 1 Thessalonians. We invite you to join us at 1 Oakley Avenue in North Providence, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by the Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. I pray that you take all the bitterness, the resentment, and everything in the world, Lord, out of our hearts tonight, Lord. Fill it with your love and your spirit, Lord, so we can get a crystal clear message by your spirit through your word, Lord. We're grateful for that, Lord. Help us to stay focused on the study, Lord, so we can become more like the Lord Jesus, Lord. So we can glorify you and help build your kingdom. We pray for the sick and suffering, Lord, you let them realize that you're with them always, Lord. <coughs> And there's a purpose you do with everything you do in our lives, Lord. I pray for our great nation, Lord, that you keep your hand on America for us, Lord, so we can bring others into your kingdom, Lord, and we can lead others back home to you, Lord. Help us to put the Bible back into the White House, Lord, where it belongs, Lord, until we start to live and honor you in America again, make it great again, Lord. We pray for the nation Israel, Lord, that they accept the Messiah so you can come back and help them. And as always, let everything be led by your spirit tonight, Lord, and not our flesh. And it's in Jesus' powerful name I pray. Amen and amen. All right, we're going to stand and worship the Lord. Thank you. 
stands forever. Amen. The word of God will never die. O Zion, messenger of good news, shout from the mountaintops, shout it louder, O Jerusalem. Shout and do not be afraid. Tell the towns of Judah, your God is coming. Yes, the sovereign Lord is coming in power. He will rule with the powerful arm. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep to their young. The Lord has no equal. Big amen there, right? Who else has held the oceans in his hand? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed the mountains and hills on a scale? Who is able to advise the spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice or teach him? Well, there's people out there that think they know more than the Lord. Yeah, we can't teach him anything. If we just open our hearts, he'll teach us everything we need to learn. Amen? We need to learn a lot of things all over again. Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Does he need instruction about what is good? Did someone teach him what is right or show him the path of justice? No, for all the nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket. They are nothing more than dust on the scales. He picks up the whole earth as though it were a grain of sand. All the wood in Lebanon's forests and all Lebanon's animals would not be enough to make a burnt offering worthy of our God. The nations of the world are worth nothing to him. In his eyes they count for less than nothing. More mere emptiness and froth. Froth. You know that stuff we put on top of the cappuccino? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, how, that's how meaningless it is to him. So whom can you compare God? What image can you find to resemble him? So you can look up on a wall and say, well, is that Jesus, that image? No. God is everywhere. The image of God is everywhere. All of us are formed in his image. Can he be, can he be compared to an idol formed in a mold, overlaid with gold and decorated with silver chains? Or if people are too poor for that, they might at least choose wood that won't decay and a skilled craftsman to carve an image that won't fall down. Here it is. Haven't you heard? Don't you understand? Are you deaf to the words of God? The words he gave before the world began. How many people right now are deaf to the words of God? Especially this country. I can't hear it. Close that Bible. We don't want to hear it. <clears throat> we, know, we know more than God. America knows more than God. So we don't need him anymore in our country. Okay. And then it says, Are you so ignorant? God sits above the circle of the earth. The people below seem like grasshoppers to him. He spreads out the heavens like a curtain and makes his tent from them. He judges the great people of the world and brings them all to nothing. They hardly get started, barely take a root. When he blows on them and they wither, the wind carries them off like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Asked the Holy One. 
Look up to the heavens. Who created all the stars? It definitely wasn't Darwin. He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. Now we'll stop with that. How's that? He holds this whole universe together. Just imagine the power of someone that can hold the earth in his hand like it's a feather. Okay? Keep it right where it has to be. The universe together. The stars, he knows everyone where it is and how it's shining. Wouldn't you want that power in your life? Now, why would people reject that power? Because there's another power out there that puts a blinder on them to think that they don't need that kind of a power, that, God, that there's no such thing as a God who created all this. And that's who? Satan. Satan. He blinds the minds of people who don't believe. So you can't convince them that God created all this. We're so blessed that our eyes are open that we know that the creator of this earth created us and he holds the whole world together. And guess what? He holds us together too. Amen. And he holds this church together. Amen. This church will never fail as long as we let God reign in it first. Amen? Amen. No man can close a door that God opens. Amen. They try to close the doors here, but God saw different. He says, no. My house will reign forever. And he's going to send the people to keep it open. Amen? Amen. And here we are. Alright, that's an awesome description. I can keep going on and on and on with that. He's just so powerful. Yep. Alright, we're in First Thessalonians. Anybody remember where we left off? Yes. Yeah, we're going into chapter two. Let's just um, <clears throat> reiterate on a couple of things to get the gist of First Thessalonians. Okay. Before we go into that, let's turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. I just want to reiterate on what this is all about as we get there. After Paul started the church in Thessalonica, okay, he wrote this first letter to the believers there within just a few months of leaving. In Acts, Luke recorded that Paul preached for three Sabbath days to the Jews in the local synagogue. Tells us that in Acts chapter 17, verse 2. Okay, however, most scholars believe Paul spent about three months rather than three weeks with the Thessalonians because he would have to have been there long enough to receive more than one offering from the Philippian church. Like it tells us in Philippians 4, 15, 16. Okay, Paul's ministry in Thessalonica obviously touched not only Jews, but Gentiles as well. Okay? Many Gentiles in the church had come out of idolatry, which was not a particular problem among the Jews at that time, like it tells us in 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 9. So, why is 1 Thessalonians so important? Everyone like to, would like to have some insight into what their future holds, right? How much more so when it comes to the end of the whole world? 1 Thessalonians provides Christians with the clearest biblical passage on the coming rapture of believers, an event that will inaugurate the seven-year tribulation. 
Okay? At the rapture, Christ will return for his people. The dead in Christ shall rise first, while those who still live will follow close behind. All believers will meet Jesus in the air to begin an eternity spent with the Lord. First Thessalonians 4, 16 to 18 tells us that. So what's the big idea? Like what, what's the purpose? Impressed by the faithfulness of the Thessalonians in the face of persecution, Paul wrote to encourage the Christians in that community with the goal that they would continue to grow in godliness. Okay? Paul knew that the people had been exposed to errant teaching from those in opposition to the way of Jesus Christ and the grace of God. And Paul also understood that unless the young church continued to mature in the faith, the danger would only increase over time. That's why it's so important for us to mature so we don't want to get trapped and caught or false, or false teaching and heresies that are out there. Yeah. Again, amen. amen. With that in mind, okay, Paul taught the people that any spiritual growth would ultimately be motivated by their hope in the ultimate return of Jesus Christ. Okay? We're in hope right now. Right? Paul was never interested in simply telling people to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Okay? For he knew that what ultimately inspired change was a life of consistently walking in the power of God's Spirit. And so to a group of young Christians with questions and uncertainties, Paul offered the hope of Christ's return, providing both comfort in the midst of questions and motivation for godly living. It's going to help us in the same idea here. Do you ever feel, how do we apply this stuff though? Let me just explain something here. How do you ever feel as though you, how do you ever feel your Christian faith has grown stale? That you are withering on the vine when you would rather be flourishing in his service. Paul's letter, first letter to Thessalonians, is the perfect remedy for such a feeling. Its focus on Christ's return provides water for the thirsty soul today, encouraging growth and maturity by providing hope in the midst of suffering or uncertainty. Right now, the world is such an uncertain thing right now. People are all questioning God. Where's God in all this? Why is this happening? Why is it we why is the country getting blessed? Why is everything eternal? Why would God let this all happen? Everybody, even Christians are going through this. Uncertainty. Why? Because it's a lack of understanding of the word of God, not maturing in the faith and understanding that this is part of it. This is going to happen. It was supposed to happen. The thing of it is, we're supposed to be ready for when it does. To be mature, not to grumble and complain, but to what? Honor God and bring others into the kingdom through the adversities. Not to complain like the rest of the world does, but to what? Say, no, God's in control. Tell people that God's in control. Jesus is the Savior. This is supposed to happen. And then you can educate people because their minds are open right now because there's so much turmoil going on in the world. Okay, Paul's specific practical instruction for this process of sanctification can be applied directly to our current circumstances. Okay? By clinging to our hope in Christ, we may see several clear results in our lives. Avoiding sexual immorality, that's one of them. Refusing to defraud others. Appreciating those Christians who serve on your behalf. 
refusing to repay evil for evil, rejoicing always, praying without ceasing, and giving thanks in all things to the name of you. First Thessalonians 4, 5, 12 to 23. The list, of course, is not exhaustive, but the first letter to the Thessalonians makes it clear that every Christian should expect to grow in holiness over the course of his or her Christian life. Amen? Amen. All right, let's go into 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Okay. Verse 1. Paul remembers his visit. You yourselves know, dear brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not a failure. You know how badly we have been treated at Philippi just before we came to you and how much we suffered there. Yet our God gave us the courage to declare his good news to you boldly in spite of great opposition. How about a big amen there? He, no matter what was going on in his life, he knew what the goal was. To what? To get the grace of God and the good news out there. So if, as a Christian, we're supposed to understand no matter what's going on in our life, is the goal is to get the good news out there and get other people into the kingdom no matter what's going on in our lives. Get the point? Listen now, before we go on. Our visit to you refers to Paul's first visit to Thessalonica, recorded in Acts 17. The Thessalonians knew that Paul had been imprisoned in Philippi just prior to coming to Thessalonica. Just imagine, he just got out of prison, and he was preaching about the glory of God still. He wasn't like, oh, I can't believe it. Here I am praying for the Lord, and I'm in jail. Yeah. Not complaining and griping, but loving and, and, and still going. See, because he knew the goal. Fear of imprisonment did not keep Paul from preaching the good news. If God wants us to do something, listen now, like speak out for him as Paul did, he will give us the strength and courage to do it despite any obstacles that may come our way. Boldness is not reckless impulsiveness. Boldness requires courage to press through fears and do what is right. How can we be more bold like the apostles we need to what? Pray for courage. Amen. We need to pray for courage. The, through the Holy Spirit's power, look and pray for opportunities to talk boldly about Christ. This is the perfect time of the year to do that. The Christmas season to talk about Christ. Amen. Start in small ways by sharing with friends and family how Jesus' <laughs> forgiveness has changed how you face life's hardships. Because it changes the way we live. Now verse 3. So you can see that we were not preaching with any deceit or impure motives or trickery. He's saying, look, I went to jail. I came and I preached to you as honest, as honest as I could be. So now you can see by my life that we're not... We're not of being like hucksters. You know, like, you see a lot of preachers out there right now flying in grand jets, driving Lamborghinis and Porsches, saying they represent Jesus Christ. Are they representing Jesus? Jesus had nowhere to sleep. They're taking the money that people are given and using it for their gain instead of the gain of the church. 
And what are white people supporting it? Because they don't know any better. They just keep telling them you're going to get blessed. Just keep giving and you're going to get money back. So they think the motive is the more I give, the more I get back. They're being taught a false doctrine, which makes them the itchy ears. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to get more back. It's like an investment. Like going to the store, like going to the casino. Yeah, I'm going to put in ten dollars and I'm going to get two hundred back. <laughs> and what do people do? The flesh, the spirit, the flesh that loves that. The flesh loves that, so they support it. But then you get a church like this that's teaching truth. Yeah. Oh. oh, I left my money at home. My wallet. Oh, sorry. <laughs> And the church that's teaching truth struggles all the way through yeah, its life. That's right. Can I get an amen here? Amen. Instead of saying, well, I'm getting taught truth, the spiritual value of my life is changing, I can't believe it. I can't give enough back to that church. That's right. But no. No. Let me see. I'll give him a little bit to keep it going. We don't want to give him too much. Maybe he'll buy a Lamborghini. Believe me, I'll never have the money to buy a Lamborghini from this street. That's for sure. Maybe a, maybe a Toyota Corolla 95. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's the given hearts that we see here. Unfortunately, the little bit we had, people just... I don't want to go on with that, but they'll support ministries that are teaching them all the lies. How about a big amen then? I digress. Alright, this verse 3, this pointed statement may be a response to accusations from the Jewish leaders who had stared up the crowds in Acts 17.5. Paul did not seek money, fame, or popularity by sharing the good news. He demonstrated the sincerity of his motives by showing that he and Silas had suffered for sharing the good news in Philippi. People become involved in ministry for a variety of reasons. And not all of them are good and pure. Okay? When bad motives are exposed, all of Christians were, or Christ's work suffers. When you minister to others, ask God for protection from the earthly temptations of prestige, money, and power. Serve out of love for Christ and others. And that's all. That's how we serve here. Out of love for Christ and love for people. Amen? Amen. We, don't, we don't care about money, but it costs money to keep this going. It costs a lot of money to keep this going. Just to preach an hour here, you will not believe the expenses that are behind the scenes. But that's okay. God's gonna keep, God keeps it going. Amen. He keeps me going. It's not about money, but it costs money to do it. I mean, people just don't... Just, Everything's free. No, no, no. Anywhere in life has anything ever been free? Really? I mean, I, I could, if it was free, I don't know. When I woke up this morning and had to go in the body shop and paint cars, I didn't know. I didn't work for free. I work here for free, though. I work here for Jesus. Amen? That's what's important. Now look at verse 4. For we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. Amen. How about a big amen here? Amen. 
Boy, let me tell you something. I know, I know coming from this pulpit steps on a lot of toes in the pews. Because the truth hurts sometimes. But it's supposed to hurt. Your ears are not supposed to be scratched with happy, happy, joy, joy. It's just supposed to change your life. The message is supposed to change your life. The way you think and the way you live. And that sometimes is painful. Because we don't die easy. We die hard. <laughs> Listen. He alone examines the motive of our hearts. Never once did we try to win your, you with flattery, as you well know. And God is our witness that we were not pretending to be your friends just to get your money. Yeah. How many people do that? Yeah. Before we go on, flattery is phony, okay? And it often covers up a person's real intentions, okay? Christians should not be flatterers. Instead, they should speak the truth with grace. Those who proclaim God's truth have a special responsibility to be honest. If your words and actions are honest and straightforward, you will demonstrate your trustworthiness. Be careful not to tell people what they want to hear in order to, pro to promote your agenda. Trust that the people you are trying to reach are intelligent enough to handle the truth so that you don't need to flatter them. Intelligent enough to handle the truth. Speak from your heart and trust God to move in their lives. Amen? Amen? Now look at verse 6. As for human praise, we have never sought it from you or anyone else. How many people out there seek human praise? Oh, that church, that pastor, he's so awesome. And they, they seek praise and praise and praise. And the Bible says that's the only reward you'll ever get. Somebody that's preaching truth is not going to get a lot of praise down here. Because of what? The word of a lie is God is alive and powerful and it cuts right to the bone, right to the flesh. Amen? It's like the crucifixion. Like I always said, don't shoot the messenger. All right, now when, look, look, let me say, let me just say something here. When Paul was with the Thessalonians, he didn't flatter them, speak their praise, or become a burden to them. Okay, he and Silas completely focused their efforts on presenting God's message of salvation to them. The Thessalonian believers had their life changed by God, not by Paul. They believed Christ's message, not Paul's. When we witness for Christ, our focus should not be on the impressions we make. As true ministers of Christ, we should point to Him, not to ourselves. Amen. That's what we point to Him, right? Yeah. Jesus. Amen. I'm just a messenger here. Amen. Look at verse 7. As apostles of Christ, we certainly had a right to make some demands of you, but instead, we were like children, or we were like um, like a mother feeding and caring for our own children. We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our only but our own lives too. They got what involved in their life. They didn't just the pastor didn't just he didn't just come up and preach and then go about his business. He got involved with people's lives. 
How can you get involved with people's life if there's 10,000 people in front of you? Was it ever designed to be that way? There's a church on every corner for a reason. Yeah. They're for community. They're for community so we all get to know one another, right? Yeah. This church is just the right size, right? We can all get to know each other, yeah. right? We get familiar with each other. We love one another. We pray with one another. How can you do that with a, a stadium full of people with 10,000 people there? Now, it won't happen. It wasn't never meant to be that way. When it's a church like this, it doesn't, it's not such a monstrosity where it costs like $600,000 a month to keep it open. So what? It, it's costing, it costs a lot, but not, it's not where it's an overburden where none of us are going to close up shop. We'd have to get, in other words, to keep a place like that open, you need 10,000 people to support it. The lights, the electricity, the heat, to keep a, a, a compact center going. So what are you going to do? Make sure nobody leaves, right? So you don't make sure nobody leaves by what? Telling them what they want to hear. Well, you know when you come here, you're not getting told what you want to hear. You're getting told what you need to hear. Amen. 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 And those who really want to change and have a new life with Christ are going to get a benefit from it. Okay. <laughs> All right, before we go on, in trying to persuade people, we may be tempted to alter our position just enough to make our message more palatable or use flattery or praise. Okay? But Paul never changed his message to make it more acceptable. But he did tailor his methods to each audience. Although our presentation must be altered to be appropriate to the situation, the truth, the good news, must never be compromised. Amen. Watering down the words of God will only lead to a watered-down faith. Amen. I like that. Right? Watering down the words of God will only lead to a watered-down faith. Because when trouble really comes... You see how many people are going to walk away. Yeah. Boldly share God's truth and trust Him to work in the lives of others. Now look at verse 9. Everybody with me so far here? Yeah. Yeah. This, this first and second Thessalonians is going to show us how we're supposed to live as Christians. Yeah. Whether you want to do that or not, it's up to you. But you can't claim ignorance because I'm going to teach you how to do it. Yeah. Look at verse 9. Don't you remember, dear brothers and sisters, how hard we worked among you? Night and day we toiled to earn a living so that we would not be a burden to any of you as we preach God's good news to you. Wow. So what did Paul say? No, I didn't be a burden to you. I went to work every day, so I wouldn't put a burden on the church. So what, is I, what do I do? I go to work every day, so I don't put a burden on the church. Can I get an amen here? Yeah. That's why I do it. I can say, listen, I'm a pastor. I want to get paid. You're going to support me. And the Bible says it rightly so. Rightly so, I should get supported. I don't care. I go to work. As long as the message goes out and we can do this, it is going to work. I'll go to work. I don't care. I can work. Use my hand. That's what Paul did. Now, if everybody, if the Bible says to follow Paul as I follow Christ, are these hucksters following Paul's idea? 
Are they going to work? No. They're buying Lamborghinis and jets with people's money. Yeah, right. And they're buying houses worth three, three million, four million dollars. Yeah. And people support it. And they don't know the Bible, obviously. Jesus did not know where to sleep. But what do people want? The flesh wants what? Prestige, money, cars, beautiful house, all that. So, hey, why not get a message like that so I can have all that? The Bible's designed to kill your flesh, not keep it alive. That's why people are ignorant of the Bible. They don't read it, so they don't understand, so they just believe whatever's said from the pulpit. And they get deceived. But we're not going to get deceived in this church. We're going to know the truth, and that's what's going to set us free. So don't worry, I'm not going to water down the message just to make someone not to fill the pews. God will fill these pews with quality people that want God's word, that want the truth. Amen. Not going to go solicit it. God's going to send them in when he sees fit. How about a big amen here? Amen. All right. I don't have to go next door to tell people there's a church over here, do I? I think they know there's one here. Okay. <laughs> Listen, um, although Paul had the right to receive financial support from the people he taught, he supported himself as a tent maker, Acts 18, verse 3, so that he wouldn't be a burden to the New Thessalonian believers. Oh, wow. That's because he loved the people more than he loved the money. Amen. Guess what? I love the people more than I love the money. You yourselves are our witnesses, and so is God, that, that we were devout and honest and faultless towards you, all of you, believers. And you know that we treated each of you as a father treats his own children. Wow. Now listen. No loving father would neglect the safety of his children. Right? Allowing them to walk into circumstances that might be harmful or fatal to them. In the same way, we must take new believers under our wing until they are mature enough to stand firm in their faith. Amen. We must help new Christians become strong enough to influence others for the sake of the good news. That's why we want to get involved in people's lives and help them to grow. That's the goal of being born again, to help others. Now look at verse 12. We pleaded with you, encouraged you, and urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy. For he called you to share in his kingdom and glory. Wow. Let me read that again. We pleaded with you, encouraged you, and urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy. For he called you to share in his kingdom and glory. Now let me reiterate on that. By his words and example, Paul encouraged the Thessalonians to live in a way that God would consider worthy. Okay? If, if someone observed you for a day, listen to me now, what would their impression, what would be their impression of what you believe? What might people think of God from watching you? What can you do to encourage and exhort the believers around you to live lives pleasing to God? Why is it important to live a life 
that pleases God. Because people are watching us. They're evaluating Christians. What do you think they're saying? I can't tell the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. Why? Because, well, I can live whatever way I want. I want the God's grace right now. So I can live whatever way I want. It doesn't matter. So people say, why don't I come to church? What's the difference? The Bible tells us to live in a way. Why? So other people will come. So if, God, if, 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 you, if somebody spent the day with you, would they think of you as a faithful believer in Jesus Christ, or would they think of you as just an ordinary person that doesn't know that? That's the question. Answer that for yourself. What would people think of you if Jesus walked with you for the day, and then at the end of the day evaluated you? How many of us would get an A or an E? But that's the goal. You understand that's why you come here, right? You come here to become like Christ, to be a living example of the power of the Holy Spirit working in you. That's the reason why we come here, to change. To change. If you don't think you need to change, then that means you don't need Jesus or you don't need to be saved. So you have to see that, listen, I need to change everything. Everything has to change. The way I think, the way I act, the way I live, and the way I believe. That all has to change. You can't just come and sit in church and think that's going to happen by osmosis. It doesn't happen that way. It takes what? Diligence. And studying. And applying the words of God. And asking God to change your life. Constantly. And every time your flesh comes out, to repent of it. And say, Lord, please help me overcome this. To be constantly evaluating your own life not other people's lives. To see where I'm at with this walk so I can be a living example of the way ministries teaching me how to live like Jesus. Can I get any men here? Or an ouch? You don't want But I'm not here to make you happy tonight. I'm here to teach you what's true and what's right. Is, there, is, there, is, it, is tomorrow a new day? Yeah, tomorrow's going to say, you know what? I'm going to wake up tomorrow and recommit my life to Jesus. And I'm going to what? Live in a way that honors Him. You have a, every day you have a clean slate to do that. What happens? We get staying. We sit in the pew, get our message, do about our business. And what? Forget what we heard. Is that what God, is that what God wants from us? No. Does he, do we have to do it? No, but I mean, if you love the Lord, you should want to do it. You want to bring others in. Okay, verse 13. Therefore, we never stop thanking God that when you received this message from us, you didn't think of our words as mere human ideas. You accepted what we said as the very word of God, which, of course, it is. And his word, and this word continues to work in you who believe. His word is always working in us believers. The word is always working in us. We're always growing and changing. Now in verse 13, Paul stated that the word of God was continuing to work in the believers' lives. Paul knew that God's words are not mere sermons or documents, but a real source of transforming power. This Bible you hold in your hands is full of real and living power. 
Its words are transforming lives all over the world every day. Read it, study it, encourage fellow believers to read it, encourage non-Christian friends to read it. All who do so truly seeking to learn will be touched by its power. They will never be the same again. What's the most important thing? What do I tell everybody in this church? To read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation because that's the only thing that's going to change you. Nothing, coming to church, doing all this, doesn't change you. It's the words of God that changes you. The power is in the words of God. If you're not reading the words of God, you do not have the power to overcome your flesh. You have to read it every day. You have to what? Why is it so hard? Why is it so hard to do that? Because it's not natural for us to read the Word of God. Because it doesn't do anything for our flesh. It feeds our spirit, not our flesh. If you read it in the flesh, it's boring. If you read it in the spirit, it's transforming. Amen. You can read it. You can read it. It's just, a, it's just the Word of God. It's not the living Word. It's the written Word. But if you read it and pray to the Lord, Lord, let my spirit... Work in my spirit. Let me let me touch my life with these words. Let them enter into me and become part of me. Then it will. That's how powerful words are. You know that saying, sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me? Name calling is worse than getting punched in the face. Because it leaves permanent scars in our lives. You've got to get a slap and then just walk away. Right? But the words stick. What do you think the Word of God does? It changes our life completely. You cannot change without the Word of God becoming part of you. It has to get in there. And guess what? The old system has to get pushed out. It can't be, it can't be combined. It has to be pushed out. That's why a lot of Christians suffer and struggle. Because they're not willing to empty themselves of what the world taught them. And letting the word teach him all over again and admit, and I'm just a little baby right now. And I need to grow up. Because pride gets in the way of that. But Jesus said, if you don't get like a kid, you'll never enter the kingdom. You have to become humble and teachable again. And said, everything I learned in the world is wrong. I gotta learn it all over again now. I gotta learn how to think, how to act, how to speak, everything. Can I get any men here? And if you don't think that you need that, then, no, then you don't need Jesus. Because Jesus is the Word of God. I'll tell you one thing, it changed my life. I wouldn't be up here if it didn't. I wouldn't be up here right now preaching if it didn't. My life was completely different than what it used to be. And it had nothing to do with me. It was just by me following what the Bible says. Well, every day at a time, just being faithful to it, reading it, studying it, doing what God tells me to do. And guess what? It changed me. And I can do anything but what? Study it, read it, and apply it. And it did it on it. The Holy Spirit did all the work. I didn't do anything. It just changes the way you live and think. And it happens what? Over time. Now, shouldn't the church be full tonight? Shouldn't it be full because people need to change? Well, why, why is it just like five people need to change and not the rest of the church? I guess they all arrived. I don't get it. I'm still struggling to change. 
Yet when I'm saying the rest of it's just denial, I don't need it. Who doesn't need this? Anybody, any Christian? No. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm, just, maybe I'm missing something in the Bible. Maybe I'm missing something here. They don't need it, but I do. I don't get it. Do you? Lord, give me some revelation. Tell me I'm doing something wrong here. I'm not having a right yet. How about an amen here? Amen. You know what it is? Pride. That's exactly what it is. I don't need that. I don't need that. I'm not like them. I'm good. The Bible says, no one's good, no, not one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So everybody's born into this world with the same stuff. Hatred, bitterness, anger, lust, arrogance, pride. There's not one person on the planet that doesn't have it. So then how can we say as Christians we don't need this? Because to get rid of all that, we have to do this. Or else it never goes away, does it? Oof. It's like a leech. It just sticks to you. <laughs> you. Try to get it off and it just comes and jumps back on you. It sucks the life right out of you. Okay. Verse 14. Let me finish this chapter. And then, dear brothers and sisters, you suffered persecution from your own countrymen. Now listen, what about that? You're going to suffer persecution from your own family. Your own family's going to call you weird because you're doing this. Now how can this be weird and without going on in the world not weird? People saying they're cats and dogs and mice <laughs> and I'm this and I'm that. That's not weird. We're weird tonight. We're weird tonight coming to Bible study and learning the Word of God. We're weirdos. But the people that say I'm a girl, I'm a dog, I'm a cat, I'm a mouse... It's all right. That's not weird. Just think how blind people are right now. People are saying that this is bad and what they're doing is good. And the Bible said that was going to happen. Right is wrong and wrong is right. And that's just what's happening out there right now. You can come, you can go somewhere and say, Hey, I love Jesus Christ. He's my Savior. And they'll look at you like, don't talk to me about that stuff. You come in and start barking. Yeah. You go into a store barking, and they'll be all right with you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's not, that's not weird. That's normal. Actually, it's on TV. They're showing it as normal on TV right now. All that stuff that God calls sin... Is exposed and normal on TV right now. So that that tells you where America is right now. That's where America is right now. We suffer persecution from your own country. Let's keep going here. In this way, you imitated the believers in God's churches in Judea, who, because of their belief in Christ Jesus. Suffered from their own people, the Jews. We actually suffer from our own people. People that don't do this, that don't live right. Oh, you guys are legalists by living right. 
What's wrong with you? You're not supposed to live right. You're shining light on what we do. Living right is part of the trip. Living right is the whole reason why we're saved. Because we couldn't live right without Jesus. Now we can. But these Christians that don't want to live right, so then they say the ones that do live right, well, that's legalism. You don't have to do that. No, you don't have to. You want to. Because the Holy Spirit's in you. You want to live right. You don't have to. You want to. So that's how you know the Holy Spirit's in you. Then you say to them, do you have the Holy Spirit? If you don't want to live that way, but you have the other spirit. The spirit of who? Satan. Exactly. And you sit in church though. <laughs> People just don't understand. A changed life is the evidence of salvation. Amen. Something's different about you now. The things that you used to do, you don't want to do anymore. It's not that you don't have to, you don't want to. Amen. There's a new desire in your heart. The Holy Spirit puts that in you. Nothing that you do. You just don't desire it anymore. You desire what? Do things that are good and godly now. Amen. Amen. Worthy of praise. Not because you have to, because you want to. Because now you have the very life of God living in you. So you want to live right. How about a big amen there? Amen. Right. Am I making my point here tonight? Yes. This book is awesome. This will change your life. Verse second going up this. Second Thessalonians will change your life if you study it properly. It'll tell you just what you need to do to live a godly life. Now, in verse 14 it tells us, listen, just as the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem were being persecuted by other Jews, the Gentile Christians in Thessalonica were being persecuted by their fellow Gentiles. Persecution is discouraging, especially when it comes from your own people. When you take a stand for Christ, you may face opposition, disapproval, and ridicule from your neighbors, friends, and even family members. Remember that everything you are experiencing is for Jesus. Matthew 10, verse 32. When Paul refers to the Jews, he is talking about certain Jews who opposed his preaching of the good news. He does not mean all Jews, okay? Many of Paul's converts were Jewish, and Paul himself was a Jew, 2 Corinthians 11.22. But they were converted Jews, just like there's converted Jews out there now. They're not all unbelievers. Okay, now verse 15. For some of the Jews killed the prophets, and some even killed the Lord Jesus. Now they have persecuted us too. They failed to please God and work against all humanity. Oof. Now listen. In verse 15. Having believed the good news and accepted new life in Christ, apparently many Thessalonians thought that they would be protected from death until Jesus returned. Then, when believers began to die under persecution, some Thessalonian Christians started to question their faith. See, they got a misunderstanding of God. Say what? I don't have to suffer anymore. Jesus is in my heart. And this is what Christians think right now. And then when they suffer, they walk away from God. Because they're not educated properly. Right? Many of Paul's comments throughout this letter were addressed to these people, explaining what happens when believers die. It's going to tell us in um, chapter 4. It tells us we're going to meet the Lord in the air. Remember? All right, verse 16. As they try to keep us from preaching the good news of salvation to the Gentiles, by doing this, they continue to pile up their sins, 
But the anger of God is caught up with them at last. Listen, leave it in God's hands. God, it will catch up with them sooner or later. Amen? It might not even happen down here, but you'll have to give an answer there. So leave it in his hands. Okay. Verse 17. Dear brothers and sisters, after we were separated from you for a little while, though our hearts never left you, we tried very hard to come back because of our intense longing to see you again. We wanted very much to come to you. And I, Paul, tried again and again. Well, listen to what it says here. Let's see. Let's see. I know when I read the Daily Walk, I said, Satan! Satan! I made it, I made it really expanded on it, because that's who he was. He was so evil. Satan is what tries to prevent us from doing the work that we're supposed to do for the Lord. Amen. He makes us think we have enough time. I'm tired. I don't know enough. I can't do that. This, that, and the other. Make excuses. Not to do what you're called to do. Satan always gets in the way. Now, listen. Listen to me. Satan is real. He is called the God of this world. 2 Corinthians 4 4. And the commander of the powers in the unseen world. Ephesians 2 2. We studied this, remember? We don't know exactly what hindered Paul from returning to Thessalonica opposition, illness, travel, complication or a direct attack by Satan, but Satan had worked in some way to keep him away. Many of the difficulties that prevent us from accomplishing God's work can be attributed to Satan. 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 Ephesians 6, 12. Verse 19. We're almost done here. Hang in there. After all, what gives us hope and joy? And what will be our proud reward and crown as we stand before our Lord Jesus when he returns? It is you. Yes, you are our, proud and, our pride and joy. You realize the people that are with me, who've been with me all the time, that's my pride and joy. Amen. You are. Amen. Watching you transform. Your life's very transformed as I'm working, working with you, walking with you, watching your life change. Is what gives me hope and joy. Amen. When somebody gets this, when somebody actually gets this, yep. I can't explain what it does. Yep. It's it's almost like I, I can't explain it. It's almost like I, I feel like I'm lifted off the ground. It's an it's an amazing it's, it's an amazing experience. I'm not going to call it an a feeling. I'm going to call it an experience. When somebody actually gets this, and somebody's actually transformed, and it's like wow. See, first we got to get informed. After we get informed, we get transformed. But some people just get informed but never transformed. See, that's a choice you have to make. Do I want, after I get informed, do I want to transform? Okay, now we're going to close. The ultimate reward for Paul's ministry was not money, prestige, or fame, but new believers whose life had been changed by God through the preaching of the good news. That's what, that's what does it. The change life. That's what keeps me going. Why was one person actually get this? This was why he longed to see them. No matter what ministry God has given you, 
Your highest reward and greatest joy should be those who come to believe in Christ and are growing in Him. Amen. And that's exactly what gives it, that's what, that's what keeps me going. Exactly what keeps me going. One believer getting transformed. It's like, this is worth it. Then he says, and, and it says, the, sca the farmer scattered his seed produces a what? Harvest of 20, 50, and more. As we, as we keep hanging in there, we all start producing more of a harvest. But it comes, it doesn't come overnight, it comes over time. Yeah. I can preach prosperity and fill the church. I can put out a, a thing. Everybody who comes to church Sunday is getting a thousand dollar check. <laughs> and I'll guarantee you the church is full Sunday. And out the door. Yep. I'm not gonna do that, but that that would uh, there'd be no excuses then now, would there? Nope. So I digress. All right, we're going to close there. Thank you for letting me share that. Dave, you want to come up and close us? And we're going to... Lord, as we gather together during this holiday season, Lord, I just pray that we always remember what's truly important, Lord, giving thanks and praise to you, Lord, and not getting too caught up in the worldly things. Lord, we're so grateful and thankful for the messages that you give to the pastor, Lord. And to have a pastor, Lord, that's not afraid to preach the message exactly the way you intended it, Lord. Regardless if it offends anybody or convicts anybody, Lord. And I just pray for strength, Lord, that we would use those convictions, Lord, to not become bitter, Lord, but to, to grow stronger in our walk with you. Yes, Lord. And Lord, I just pray that you would watch over this church and our families, Lord, and lay a desire on our hearts, Lord. And, and the hearts of those who also watch on the live feed, Lord, a desire to want to give back and support the church more, Lord, so we can continue to restore your beautiful house, Lord, and pass and continue to get the truth of your word out there and all yes, of you. And I will pray this in your holy, precious name. Amen. 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 All right, we're going to watch the video and we're going to close.